Thanks be to God. So it's about seven more days till it ends. 2022 can finally be put in the hopper, right? What do, you, what do you think about this year? I think it started out pretty strong. The economy was strong in January and February, and things were going well. Everything was lined up. And, and globally, there was, there was big events planned. There was supposed to be the Summer Olympics. That didn't happen. And then came the worldwide pandemic, and that brought, boy, talk about worldwide coverage and the blame game and death and fear and economies just frozen. That's the global impact, right? How about nationally, too? We, we had a big election this year, too, right? It's, it's now still being contested. There's, there's a lot of pressure right now in the state with Senate runnings, and there's a lot of things being said about this and that, and they're angry, and then they're angry, and they're disappointed, and they're disappointed. When will it end? How about personally? Well, I was supposed to have one of my daughters graduate from high school. She still graduated, but it was in our basement watching it on TV, virtually pre-recorded. A son getting married in Colorado, but only about a third of the people could attend. Still a wonderful day, yet most of my family wasn't there. What about you? What, what if 2020 was a, was a disappointment to you? Maybe it is even right now as we look at the limitations we have of family gatherings and, and maybe it's having a loved one that is limited in, in who can visit them or maybe you can't visit them at all. It has just been a year of disappointments and there's little glimmers of hope. Oh, we have, you know, the cure. We have the, the shot that's going to be given and that will change things in 2021. We'll, we'll, the economy, it's going to recover and things will get better and, and then we'll get back to normal. But, but who do you trust? Who, who do you believe? Who Who's going to make the difference? Who is going to bring in 2021 and make big changes? Do you feel a little disappointed even today? And, and even when we go into these family gatherings, and these are great, I, I don't mean to, to diminish them at all, but, but we're so hyped about all the things we're going to do and we get there and we enjoy it, but it's so soon gone. Even kids, the presents under the tree, you've been staring at them. You can't wait to open them. And, and you may get some gifts you want, but there might be some gifts that are a little bit of a disappointment. That's just kind of what happens this time of year, isn't it? Where we have all these things we look forward to, and, and yet they're not as big as the hype leads up to, and we get a little disappointed. Okay, now I'm going to stop being so negative. It's Christmas. But it is true, right? Sometimes we're prone to disappointment because of the track record this world has and sometimes our life has and the people around us have. And when it comes to God, we might look at what we just talked about in Luke 2 and say, yeah, I heard that story before. It's neat to reflect on it. I love the hymns that, that are written about it. But what's so great about a baby in a, in a manger? Is this the greatest thing that has ever happened in my life? Is this going to have the biggest impact on me? And I'd say this, in the passage we're going to look at, let's take a little bit deeper look than the baby in the manger, the gift, and look instead at the heart behind the giver. I think then we're going to see an amazing truth 
that God does not disappoint, ever. Now, if you look at maybe grandparents' fridges, or maybe a proud parent's fridges when, they're, when they have the really young ones, you might look at some artwork there that doesn't look very frameable, right? Maybe some parents do. They look at it and it's outside the lines and they can see that those were supposed to be shepherd's crooks, but they're painted like candy canes. And then you might have this, this thing that you look at and walk right by and say, that didn't take much time, that wasn't much effort. But when you look at the heart of the three-year-old that can hardly hold a crayon and the time it took to concentrate and those fine motor skills to do it, you, you, you're delighted with the heart behind the gift. Here's the heart behind the greatest gift that has been given to all of us at Christmas. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Do you see the heart behind the gift that's given? God did not spare his son. He's willing to give him up, and the relationship between God and his son is different than the relationships we have here on earth the relationship of father or mother to child, it, it pales in comparison to father and son. The father has begotten the son from all eternity. It, it makes our minds spin to try to understand it. Jesus has always been with God, eternal with him. He was the word that was spoken as, as the world came to be. He was the one before he took on flesh that visited his people to, to remind them of all the ways he's going to carry out God's plan of salvation. And when the time had fully come, God decided to give up his son, to allow him to take on flesh and become the gift that the world needed. And he did it willingly. Could you give up your child? to people maybe that you don't know or don't care so much for you or, or about you. And so God says, I will give him up because it's what the world needs. Without this gift, nothing is going to get better. Without this gift, the world will continue to spiral down. Without this gift, death reigns. And so he gives this gift knowing full well what this gift would grow up to be, would grow up to do. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up, up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Jesus lived and grew to be the Savior that we needed. A life perfectly lived takes the place of ours, which, which is not. A sacrifice perfectly given is the thing that God accepted in place of what our life is is not. And an exchange of sin from us into God and the punishment of death, which was ours alone, yet God took. This is the exchange. God gave him up for us all. He is invested in you. You can trust him in this. God keeps his word. He didn't only just announce to shepherds about what they would find in Bethlehem, but the record of Scripture shows again and again exactly how and when, in what place, and to whom this child would be born. God gives us a track record now past, and it points us to a future. If God could keep all these things 
and make sure history aligned perfectly so all of them would be fulfilled. And then God would set the son that the world needed and accomplish the plan of salvation and give it by his grace to a world that needed it. Won't God continue in, into the future? Can, can we put our hope in him? Isn't that what we need? We need someone, something that gives us hope from this day forward and, and into our future. Who can you trust in this world? Maybe a politician that says that he's going to do this or she's going to do this. Will they follow through? They're limited in their power. Do they know your name? And if it came down to sacrifice, would they say, I will give up my income and my position for you? Can we count on them for that? For, for the ones that, that forecast what can hurt you and what will hurt you, the science and out there, the ones who manage the science and tell us of all the things that, that can, can harm you and, and what we do to prevent it, can they stop this from happening? By their command and will, is the virus immediately gone? They can tell you what to do and not to do, but, but they can't resolve it. And would they, if it came down to it, stand in front of you and take the virus into themselves so that you aren't harmed? Can you trust them like that? Now, I'm not pointing fingers at people that God has appointed and gives power to do great things. But understand this. You have a God who knows you by name. You have a God who isn't just invested in the world in general, which is who Jesus came to save, but, but he is invested in you personally. You have a God that will stop at nothing, not even the gift and giving of his own life to make sure that you will have a life worth living and a life that goes on forever in heaven. Do you see the impact of, of this gift? The baby in the manger is the beginning of the story. But the story of Jesus and an impact on you, it never ends. So how does this impact you now and into your immediate future? Well, listen again to the words given to us. We have a God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? A God whose heart is invested like that and has the kind of power he does and has the objective of you being in heaven forever, is he not a God who knows what's going on in your life and what you face? Will he intervene to make sure that nothing separates you from your love? That, that's his promise to you and you can trust his word. When you are feeling alone or afraid or worried, you think that no one else can understand, you have a God that you can talk to on a very personal level. You can bear your heart and mind to him and he makes a promise that he will listen and he will answer according to his will. Nothing will escape his ears and nothing will escape his plan. And when it comes to worry about your body and its health or your food or your resources, you have a God that knows the very hairs of your head. He knit you together in your mother's womb before mom and dad even knew you. He knows the number of your days, the number of heartbeats in your heart. He knows what you can handle and what you cannot. And he is invested. This is the heart and the God behind the gift. 
Don't miss it. It's just a few verses and a familiar narrative and a baby in a manger. It's a story that warms our heart, but the giver behind the gift, God the Father, reveals his heart for you in in this plan. And this gift isn't temporary. It isn't a gift that just for a while or until it wears out blesses your life. This is the beginning of God's plan for you and eternity. This is the greatest gift that God could give. It changes who you are. It changes what you do. It changes why you do what we do. It gives you purpose and value and meaning in life as you help to carry out God's plan. It gives you the comfort and confidence that above all the things that bring us stress, worry, and fear, we have a God who is managing it all and has the power and the knowledge to carry out all things for our good. And he has come to you this afternoon to remind you the depth of his love for you. And you have a God in whom you can trust every word, every promise he will deliver. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he, God, not also along with him, graciously give us all things? Dear friends, the greatest gift you have has, has already been given. It, it changes you now changes you in your future. It gives you hope to eternity. The greatest gift you have is right in your heart. The greatest gift you have was born in a manger. The greatest gift you have is is your personal and loving Savior. The greatest gift you have is now in heaven preparing a place for you and will return to take you to be with him there. The greatest gift you have is Jesus your Savior, God's gift to you this Christmas. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which rules our hearts, give us comfort and peace and confidence in the plans of God our Father for us, who gave us his Son, so that we will have confidence that he will give us all things good. Amen.